<laughs> I'm tripping. <laughs> Literally. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Let's Get It. Chase Martos, Justin Helms here. A couple days late, but we wanted to we wanted to wait until the national championship was over to do our next show so we could so we could talk about that. But we were gonna talk about national championship and then what we saw from the NFL playoffs this weekend, but we just got news about an hour ago that James Harden just got traded to the Nets. Big news. crazy. Big news. So we're going to talk about that to begin with and then and then get to some football talk later in the show. But before we do that, we just want to remind you guys that you can follow us on Twitter, LGI, all caps, underscore podcast. And also find us on Spotify, Let's Get It, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Anchor, among other stuff. All right, so this trade, this trade. Yeah, this trade is crazy. Um, this is. Let me go back and find. Nets get James Harden. Mm-hmm. Let's get a Vic. It's a four-team. Really, we'll count it as a four-team trade. Yeah, basically a four-team trade. Three-team uh, officially, and then in a separate one. But right. Four. So the Pacers are getting Karis Levert and a second rounder who they got from the Rockets for Victor Oladipo. As a part of the Nets, Rockets, and Cavs trade, the Cavs get Jared Allen and Torrey and Prince. The Rockets get Dante Exum, three Brooklyn first-round picks. Uh, One of them was Milwaukee's pick, and then four Brooklyn first-round swaps. And then the Nets get James Harden. But Karis LeVert is going to the Pacers. Yep. Oh, I'm not sure who all gave up what yet. Me and Chase already had this conversation. Um, in my opinion, the the Nets win this trade. It's it's. I'll let Chase give his opinion and and uh, his reason why he chose the team that he does after. Um, but the Nets win this trade. You you cannot add a superstar to a team with two superstars on it already creating a super team a super team this is exactly what that is and and not win that trade um this is a super team that on paper is on paper right now where they are in their careers I might say it's about equivalent to Miami Heat's big three. Maybe a little bit better if you look at the numbers. But this is this is this is a huge trade. And I won't I won't go out and say the Rockets lost this trade. I don't think there's any losers to this trade. And I mean I don't think there's any losers to this trade based off what I can see what every team got right now. I've not been able to see what every team gave away, especially what the Cavs gave away to get Jared Allen and um, uh, I forget Torian Prince, yeah. but it, on paper, all these teams, I don't see a single team that has lost today. Your key word in that sentence was on paper. On paper, this is the best team. Or this is the best team in the East for sure, and maybe the best. Uh, with three top 10 players in the NBA on your team, yes, it is probably the most talent in the NBA. I mean, there's not, there's not enough. You have 
LA, you have the Lakers with the best player, the two of the three best players in the league, in AD and LeBron, Anthony Davis. But you have two of those guys who are two of the that could easily be the most toxic locker room in the NBA. And I say that because where where the hell is Kyrie? First of all, where I mean, he's played in six of the twelve games this year, and reports say he doesn't look to be coming back anytime soon. Last night, when they're getting ready to play Denver, he is sitting in some Zoom meeting with um, who is this? Some some district attorney or something. And, I told, and and what did I tell you? I told you the reason Kyrie disappears is because of social issues. He's sitting and in the I, I and I and I and I, I understand this is that, exactly but the communication, way. Justin, the communication. Oh yeah, he has no respect yeah. for Steve. I I think he has zero respect for for his head coach, I, uh, Steve Nash. He has no respect for he showing zero respect to his teammates by just calling out, hey, I'm not going to be there, and then just not showing up. I, I see I see no respect there. And it's something that, you know, I feel like Brooklyn and him and KD were a package deal, okay? And the only way that Brooklyn was going to get KD is if Kyrie came along. And, yes, Kyrie got the first deal, but I think they really wanted KD. And, Kate, and they knew what they were getting involved in, okay? They knew what they were getting involved in. And I Kyrie, think they really wanted KD. Kyrie has looked really good. Kyrie has looked really good in his games that he has played. He 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 looks as good as I have seen him. And after the first game, hang on. After the first game, I thought that this team was everybody. I thought this team was the best in the NBA, but this team has traded away its entire bench. Really, its best players on the bench. Dinwiddie is out. Dinwiddie is out for the year. Um, and James Harden has put on quite a show in Houston and James Harden isn't going to lose all the weight that he's gained in the first, in the first couple of right when he, when the plane leaves in Brooklyn, the weight's going to be on there. He's still going to be fat. He's still not going to, he's still, his past five games has not been very good. He shot under, he shot about 35 under 35% which is not like him. Um, and you already have two of the most sensitive players in the NBA, in KD and Kyrie, playing in Brooklyn. And you just added another toxic person who doesn't enjoy practice, who shows up whenever he wants to, who chooses to go and party instead of uh, being with the team. That's That's gone on just before this year. And... You know, on paper, yes, this you have three of the top ten players in the NBA on your team. But, you know, these super teams, there have been a lot that haven't worked, and it's because you are getting the top players, yes, but you are not getting the right top players, the top players that don't fit together. And I don't, been, see, I don't see Kyrie and James Harden really fitting together. And the second that something goes wrong, Kyrie is vanished, and James Harden is 
you know, causing a huge distraction, calling out all of his teammates, saying they're not good enough. Even though the Rockets, John Wall is pretty good. Okay, John Wall is is, is not that bad. DeMarcus Cousins is is not his old self, but he's starting to get himself back. And you know, I they have the support around him. That that team could have been good. They got they got bigger. Yes, last year did not work out with Houston when they traded away Capella and all of their big men and went with a smaller lineup. That that blew up in their face. But he they have done everything that he has asked them to do. They have traded away the people. He wanted Chris Paul out. He wanted Chris Paul out. And Chris Paul went out. He wanted he wanted a smaller lineup. He they got it. He he and he doesn't have that championship mentality that you need. He isn't willing to put in the work. He um, would rather go party instead of, you know, trying to get better with his team. And you know what? If, if he would just put in, he is already the best shooter in the NBA. He is already one of the greatest shooters of all time. If he would just put in a little bit of work, he would have multiple championships by now. And, you know, I I see Brooklyn right now. You are now, all over the place, and that is I not true. Bro- right now, I see Brooklyn as this year's Clippers. I, I, see, I see very similar situations where James Harden and Kyrie kind of show up whenever they want to. James Harden, you know, doesn't want to practice, then he's not going to be there, just like Kawhi was. And, you know, the team is going to be waiting for them to show up, just like how they were waiting for Kawhi to show up. Uh, since he was allowed to live in San Diego. And what happened, the Clippers were out by the Nuggets, who were not a better team than them, and they were out in the second round. I, I can see that sim- very similar situation happening in Brooklyn. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what to address, because you just brought up a million different things. But I'm going to start with, <laughs> one, James doesn't have a, a championship mentality. You're dead wrong. <laughs> you're you're dead wrong. It's it's you're just you're just wrong. Does he, this, does he have a Kobe is, mentality? Do you think he has a Kobe mentality? There's not many people who have it. Let me let me let me talk. The mentality. Let me talk. You talked for like ten minutes. First of all, yes. I, I'm not gonna. No, there's no. There's not many people who have a Kobe mentality fully and throughout. That's just not possible to be as dedicated as that man. Because, no, I can't say he has that because he does go out and party and he does miss practices. This is not a man who hates practicing. This is a man who does miss practices because of his off-the-court off things. I can't excuse that. Those, that's a problem. His numbers, I'm going to go back to this, too. His numbers, his points are down. His shooting percentages are almost the exact same as Take, what his career okay, averages. First couple of so, games, first couple of games, he was over 40 points. And then past five, he hasn't he hasn't been the same. And, and that's and that's what I was about to get to. Points, points wise, yes, he is down. But field goal percentage, it is on exact track with exactly how he's been since 2016, 2017. He's shooting 44 percent since actually since 2013. He has not shot under 43 percent. And and. It, it, his numbers are on the same. 
the, the reason that his points are down, because yes, he has scored less points, but there's he's also got a different type of scoring option in DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall. And I think his points will might fluctuate in a weird way when he's with the Nets because he has two other scoring options in KD and, and Kyrie. So his numbers being a little bit down in terms of points means absolutely nothing to me. He is shooting the same percentages. He is not getting worse. He's taking less shots. Now, in terms of, of, of him causing issues with teammates and blah, 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 we just talked about this. This is exactly what James wanted. This is exactly what James wanted. When he first requested a trade, his top destination, his only destination when he first requested it, was the net, was the Nets. It was. And then he started expanding once that didn't look possible. He went to Heat, Bucks, Sixers, all that, blah, 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 blah. For him to go in there and cause issues won't make sense. If he goes in there and cause issues, I will, I will, I will come out here and I will say that you are right if he does. But I just, I, for him, he came out and said he wanted, he wanted to be on the net. He said he wanted to be traded, first of all. And then he said he wanted to be on the net. And because, and, the re, and you know the reason, because of, reason why? Because he has a championship mind. Because he wants to win a championship. See, he says he, did he not, has a championship mind, not, but he doesn't he did not, like he, he did not, he did not like the roster in, in the Rockets. That roster, I don't care what you say, yes. I, I, I came on this show and I said that he should at least try. Remember, I said that. I said if he's not going to get traded this season, which it doesn't look like it, he should at least try. Because there's no point in, <clears throat> in not trying when you have John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. It, it, there's no point in it. And, and then you have a new team, you have a new coach. There's no point in not trying it to at least see what your height can be. But no matter what, they weren't a championship team. They are not beating a team like the Clippers. They are not beating a team like the Lakers. They are not, I don't see them beating a team like the Nuggets. They're, they, were, they were not going to be in the championship. That is what James Harden wants to do. He wants to win a ring. He has never won a ring. Everyone around him who are superstars has won a ring. Kyrie has a ring. KD has a ring. LeBron has a ring. AD now has a ring. It's just, it's, it's too much. It, the only other person who really doesn't, Russ, CP3, Giannis, they're still Russ and CP3. I think it's past time for them. Giannis, he's still young, but he he want it, it's literally because of his chip championship mentality of wanting to win that he got traded. Yes, I will agree that sometimes he doesn't act like it. I told you I can't excuse him going out and partying on days of practice or him being late and blah 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 blah. But what I can't excuse is as soon as he steps on that court and he drops a 60 point triple double, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And that's why I said to you before that no matter what happens, I don't care that the Nets don't have a bench right now. You can play, you can play Kyrie, you can play KD in the first 30 minutes, Kyrie in the middle, and James in the last. And you can switch that and you can do whatever with it, play them whatever minutes. That's going to be up to Steve Nash. And it will work out as long as. Is if they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, unless they go up against a very hot Celtics or a very hot Bucks team, which Bucks are a different conversation. I don't think they're gonna win it until something changes with Giannis, but or something changes drastic on their team. Unless they run up against one of those teams that is hot at the time, I if they're all three on the court, doesn't matter. They they will be in the finals. It doesn't matter. That's three all stars. That's that's a su that's a super super team. 
<laughs> You've got three players. James, who you could argue is in his prime. KD, who is barely out of it just due to Achilles injury. Take away the Achilles injury, I would still consider this his prime. Kyrie, been up and down. I don't know what his prime... I can't, I can't tell you what his prime is because it's been a while since we've really gotten a full play from him. The only time... The only player that could bring this down is Kyrie. That's the only person. James is not the problem. Kyrie... I'm not saying he's the only problem. I'm saying Kyrie, and you, what you just said kind of supports my argument. Kyrie can bring this whole thing down too. And this season, no, though. That's first in, of all, that's the thing. this season, all, not a chance. Blah, 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 one more time. I might throw my head into the wall. Second of all, I'll give him three, three seasons before Kyrie ruins it. Not, not this season. It took him how many seasons to get out of Brooklyn? They're not. It's not ruined this season. This season. LeBron. No. LeBron won a ring with Kyrie as his supporting cast before Kyrie became. Before what? Before what do you have to say? Kyrie had won Rookie of the Year. LeBron went to Cle. When LeBron was in Cleveland, he took Le- he took them to a championship. And then the next year he was gone, and they were a lottery team. Kyrie when, wasn't there. When James Harden, when James Harden leaves Houston, Houston's gonna get better. Houston just went from not being a playoff team to top four seed. I won't argue top with you. On that. I don't argue with you on that. I actually agree with you. Like what James John Wall came out and said, Third he said all, that there was a toxic environment say, with players who don't want to play with them. You say that you say that you or it's all about what Steve Nash does, but Kyrie came out a month ago and said he doesn't need a coach. And he's showing it because last week he didn't even tell his coach that he's not going to be making the trip. We had this conversation. And, and, no, 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 no. No. And and to me that shows a lack of respect towards Steve Nash. And are you going to res- is Steve Nash going to be respected enough to where he can draw up some stuff in order to make these three, like what everybody makes them out? Is Steve Nash going to be able to have a say? Is Steve Nash going to be able to, um, I don't know, control these three toxic players? Because Steve Nash was an MVP. <clears throat> Steve Nash played with Amari Stoudemire and, you know, but what I see from James Harden is what you're saying. Yes. He goes out and party. Yes. He doesn't practice. What I see is he wanted to go to Brooklyn because he doesn't want, and it kind of supports my argument, what you're saying. He doesn't really want to go and work to win the championship. He's going to go and he's going to have two top 10 players in Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And he's going to be able to, uh, coast. So what that. you're saying is that he joined this team so that he could sit back. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. That's not. No, he did not join this team so that he could sit back. He joined this team so that he could compete and win a championship. Exactly. No, he knows if he sits back, they're not going to have a chance. So no, I told you this is exactly what James wanted. And if James goes in there and starts being lazy, I'll come in here and I'll and I'll 100 take back everything I've said and, and agree with you. But that is the least likely thing to happen to me. 
for James to go in there and be like, oh, yeah, and sit back and just and act like he has it made because because he he made it out of Houston and now he's on a team with two other superstars. No, he sees what Kyrie is doing. I told you, I me and you agree on this. Kyrie is the one guy who can bring this down. He sees what Kyrie is. He sees what Kyrie is doing where he's, he sits out some nights and stuff like that. So he knows what he's getting himself into. He knows he's going to have to buckle down on those nights where they don't have Kyrie. He knows he's going to have to buckle down on those nights where they might not have KD because of his rest days and everything like that, his load management. But, and then, and then we, we already had the conversation of the Kyrie head coach thing. We have debunked this. We have debunked this. I have pulled the quote back up for you. He said, the first thing he said was, I was the first, well, he said I was the first person to call him Coach Nash, but now I call him Steve because we are on a level like that. Steve is great. I have a relationship with him that's going to build over time. This is what he said on a thing with Durant. And then he went on to say, and I think it's also going to take, it's also going to change the way we see coaches. He did not say that we don't need a head coach. He did not say that. He said, also, I think it's going to way that we change the way that we see coaches. I don't really see us having a head coach. You know what I mean? KD could be a coach. I could be a coach. What he meant by that is this. And then Durant, Durant then added, Jack Vaughn could do it one day. Talking about the assistant. Adding on to what Kyrie had said. Agreeing with him. Jack Vaughn could do it one day. It's a collaborative effort, I think, on our part. They're not saying that they don't need a coach. They're saying that when it comes down to calling plays and putting input on on a scheme and play and stuff like that, there's multiple of them that could do it. It's not just, oh, this guy gets the last say so and he's and he's just going to bully us around. Because I won't I won't lie. Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they've ascended past the need for a coach that's gonna be like, This is what we're doing, and everyone shut up because it's what I'm saying. They've ascended past the need for that. They're star players. It's the same thing with Golden State. Sure. When you have yeah. Steph, Clay, and KD, you don't need a guy who's calling plays nonstop. You saw that. Steve Kerr would be sitting back on the bench like this, and they'd be down 10. And he wouldn't care because he knew that they would get it but together. they played but, well together. They played well together, and everybody had a level head. Exactly. They had a level and, head. And, and, no, and, and Do you see Kyrie with a level head right now? And no, Mr. no, I won't. you see James Harden with a level head right now. And let me finish. Let me finish. No, Kyrie does not have a level head right now. James Harden, I told you, I'm I'm done arguing that he's uh, he's I told you I will come on here and I will fully apologize and say everything you have said is right. If he goes in there, and causes the issue because there is I'm I'm giving you a 99 percent chance that he does not do it because this is exactly what he wanted down to the T. This is he requested a trade and his first destination was the Nets. There is no reason for him to cause any issues at this point. But in terms of coaching, like I said, like we said, Steve Nash is still the coach. Steve Nash will still be the guy that handles the minutes. 100%, especially now. He will still be the guy that handles the minutes. He will also still be the guy who helps in terms of what they're going to be running and doing on offense with this new team. So them saying you saying that Kyrie doesn't believe in blah 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 blah, or or, or or that he doesn't that he doesn't respect the coach. Okay, I will agree. I will say this. I will say it does come off as disrespectful when you disappear and don't say anything. But I see it more of as he doesn't he doesn't take responsibility fully. That's my problem with Kyrie. He doesn't take responsibility 
for some of the things he does. Yes, there's a lot of the times where the media paints him bad, but he puts himself in situations for the media to paint him bad a lot of times. Even though I think of it, even though what we said before, he was talking to a district attorney. He's trying to make social change. He's not doing bad things. He's not going out and partying and stuff like that with James. He's going out and trying I to help. I've never community. said anything not- about Kyrie off the court. I have never said he ha- he has a big heart. Yes, he is making social change. Yes, he was against um, playing in the bubble. Yes, he he has done his part off the off the court, mm-hmm. but on the court. He's still causing the distractions. On the on the court, to me, it down. Uh, no, nah, I don't agree with that. Is on the court, leaving, on the court, there is no distraction. You off don't think court, that that's going to cover? That's going to on the court. No, off the court in the media. Off the court is where the distractions the come in. Those press conferences, in those those effort, those separate interviews, and everything like that. That's where. Kyrie has his problem. And that's why I said it's a it's to me it's not a disrespect problem cuz he's not he's not going out and plainly just wanting to disrespect these people. He's not going out and just being like, "Oh yeah, I'm not showing up just because I don't like this guy and blah 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 blah." It's a responsibility thing. I think he has to realize that I am an all-star in this game and I have to let people know what is happening with me. He has to realize that he has gotten to a point that he does not have the luxury to just disappear anymore. He does not. And that's my problem with Kyrie. If, if, if there's anything to go down, it's because he won't take responsibility for his flaws and his issues. Same way in Cleveland. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't handle not being a lead guy. And he didn't and want to take responsibility for right he, wanted to say, he wanted to say that, that LeBron was overpowering and overbearing. And, and that's not taking responsibility. So that, that's, that's, to me, what a lot of the problem is. I've seen him take responsibility one good time. In the Celtics, when he gave props to LeBron, where he said, dang, leading a team is hard. I have to give props to LeBron because I'm realizing that I've got a team full of young guys right here. And it's not as easy to get them all together on the same page as like how he made it seem. Okay. He wanted to be the guy in Cleveland. So he went to Boston and he was the guy in Boston. And he he is one of the guys in Brooklyn. And he is not doing it. He... They were not sad to see him go in Boston. In fact, they got better when he left Boston last year. Mm-hmm. He's in Brooklyn right now, and he is causing all kinds of distractions. And you can't tell me that chemistry on the court will not be affected because of everything that he is doing off the court. See, if I'm KD right now, I'm kind of pissed. I'm kind of pissed if I'm KD right now because, you know, Kyrie has talked about They've talked about for years about how they've wanted to play together for years, and Kyrie isn't even playing. And I find that laughable. You I'm think sorry? you think I find that laughable? Do you truly think? I know that they've come out and said that Kyrie hasn't talked to his teammates and hasn't talked to Steve Nash, but that does not include KD. Do you really think that he hasn't told KD what's going I'm on? Sure I'm sure he's told KD. I'm sure he's told KD, but I'm sure that KD also had it in his mind that he would be playing with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. And, and, and me, and to I, me, last year, Kyrie sitting out for most of last year when he could have played, he wasn't so hurt last year that he couldn't play the entire year. He sat out because he couldn't play with KD. Is that being, is that being a leader? Is that putting the team on your back? I mean, I, I don't... 
I'm not. I can't say anything about that. There's plenty of players throughout history who have sat out because they didn't want to play with the team they wanted to play with. No one said anything about AD when he sat out a full season New Orleans because he was with a trash team when he should have been the lead guy and he was the guy who was choking whenever they got to the playoffs. So, and Kyrie at least doesn't choke when he gets to the playoffs. No one said a word about AD in that. But Kyrie, sure. Yes, KD is depending on him. And yes, KD did come with the expectation that he would be playing. KD has missed a lot of games as well. Yes, they're due to load management and corona and blah, 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 and all that other stuff and and whatever. But I can't sit here and say it will affect on the court because I've seen how these players play before. I've seen how all three of these players play before. These are all three of these players at their peaks were top almost, I would say, top five players. Almost three, if you're saying KD and James especially. So for me, I, there's just nothing that I can see off the court unless they are just full on like having a feud with one another. And I'm talking about the three big stars, not the rest of these little bench players and blah, blah, blah. The three big stars. If they're having problems with each other, then maybe it might affect on the court. But other than that, no. Okay. Um, we've spent almost 30 minutes on this topic, and we're trying to get an hour-long show. Um, I want to say one thing about um, uh, the um, Karis LeVert trade. Okay. I, I, feel, I feel bad for Karis LeVert because he went from a championship team to a team where he has to now be the main guy and the closer – I don't think that's what he wanted. I think he wanted to win a championship in his first, in at least his first few seasons or whatever on this contract that he's on right now. I think it's still his rookie contract, and I feel bad for him. And this is good for Oladipo. I think he secretly wanted out. There were some reports that he had said this he had wanted good. out and that he shot him down, but I don't. I think he shot him down to save face. I think he truly did want out of there. Yeah, I, I think that it, I think it is good for. I think. It is good for Houston, and I think Houston just got better. I think Houston is mm-hmm. Houston can be dangerous. I'm are they a, a title contender? No, they're not. No, they're not. It's Houston. I mean, it's uh, it's L.A. Both L.A.s. I, I still give Denver an edge, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and yeah, I. Th- but can they be dangerous? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, they can play Brooklyn? spoiler. Brooklyn absolutely can win a championship. They can win a championship. But right now, right now, I, I still I need to see it. I need to see all three of those guys on the court. I need to see how that chemistry is. And right now I see two of the most sensitive uh, players in the NBA playing in a huge market in Brooklyn. And I see um, a fat guy who complained about who complained his way out of Houston. And I see them as a second rounder right now. I, I well, I see I say they could be a second they could be out in the second round. They could also win the championship. But I'm not ready to I'm not ready to pinpoint them into the NBA finals like you are. But let's talk a little bit about this national title. I, I can tell you're angry right now, so I want to make you happy and talk about your Alabama Crimson Tide being in the national champion, winning the national championship in dominating fashion. Congratulations to you. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
I know you, I know you worked <laughs> I really did, hard. I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I sat here on this bed and, and, and cheered hard. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, was, it was a good game. Actually, I had, I had gotten so satisfied, and usually this isn't even something that is possible for me because I'm so nervous about anything during the game. Once it hit, like, I think there was, like, maybe eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, I fell asleep. I had literally fell asleep during the last eight well, minutes. Well, it was a very boring second half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. They, Alabama did Ohio most of their State, scoring in the first half. Exactly. Yeah. Ohio State came and scored that one touchdown out the half, and it was done since then. Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. I won't, I'm not, I don't want to be cocky and say that I kind of predicted this, but remember I told you, I still thought if Clemson had played us in that game, they would have played a better game. I, I, and I still strongly and firmly believe that. This, they were built better to handle Bama just based off how their teams were built of their strengths and everything. Clemson was more overall. Ohio State was more offense, and we saw that as Alabama put up 52 on them. And, and, and what it also made me realize is I want to give a hand to Notre Dame. Alabama put up almost 50-40 on every team, and Notre Dame is the only team to hold them to 30. That defense might have been something better that than might what have been the, that might have been but, the best defense Alabama played. Exactly, and that's what I'll, and that's and that's the first but thing. But it just I, proves I like, to you that offenses win championships. Shit. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's just proven to you that often they scored 30 points, mm-hmm. the best defense that they played this year. Exactly, exactly, and 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 100 right. Offense wins championships, and that's what Bama did this year. They they played great amazing offense and then played bend don't break defense their defense does enough that all their offense has to do is score more than the other team which i mean sounds logical but you know what i mean but here's why nick saban is the best coach of all time it's because he has adapted to the game he was winning champ he won his first few championships with the best defense in the country he he shut out lsu he he um, next year, I mean, 2009 was one of the best defenses too with Terrence Cody. If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, um, but shut down, shut down Texas, shut down LSU, shut right. down Notre Dame. It was right. it was a lot of teams back then in the championship that they got, and it was just suffocating defense won them won the game. But over the past few years, offense has taken over, mm-hmm. and offense. You know, it, it's not just the firepower that you see on offense nowadays. It's the it's the way that the game is called with, you know, targeting being such a huge deal and everything is targeting and everything is pass interference. And, you know, it's all of that. And he has adapted to the game to where, yes, he is a defensive-minded head coach. He was he was a defensive coordinator in the 90s with, with Bill Belichick in Cleveland. And, you know, the list goes on. But... Over the past few years, it, in an offensive-driven league that college football has become, and the NFL in, in, in some respect, but he has adapted, and you know, it wasn't the end of Nick Saban when college football changed. Mm-hmm. You know and, I mean? and it's, it's crazy to see that more coaches haven't adapted like him to me, and Maybe I've just been spoiled by the fact that I have a coach who's not I, but Alabama has a coach that is 
is willing to change and sees what he has to do to be successful in those changes. Because if you think about the changes is not only in offensive identity, it's, it's in the types of players he recruits, the weights that he recruits them at, the speeds that they run, the stuff like that. When you go back to those first few championships when it was suffocating defense, there was not many O-line or D-linemen that you would find at Alabama that were under, like, 290. Now, you might find three of often three of our offensive linemen don't even touch, don't even get to, like, 270, to 260, because you realize you have a game that you can't just have these guys that bulldoze and, and move slow. You need a little bit faster, slimmer O-linemen. Yeah, exactly. To to handle some of these faster pass rushers. He's gotten the linebackers we used to have. Think about Dante Hightower, Trey DePriest, Reggie Ragland. These are big dudes. Those are we don't see those linebackers anymore. We have Rashawn Evans. We've had Reuben Foster. You have Dylan Moses. You have slimmer, faster guys that to keep up with the, the spread offenses and everything like that. There's just so many little changes that he does in terms of recruiting, in terms of the coaches he gets, in terms of just changing with the times with things like Corona and stuff like that, that just put him on top for me. And I think what really solidified it is now he has seven bear. Bryant has six. So not only does he have one more, but he's gone through more adversity and changed more with the times than bear. Bryant has. He is 69 years old and it doesn't look like he's slowing down. Mm-mm. Um, he, he's still, Top th- he has the best recruiting class this year. He had the best last year, I believe. And there, there's no signs of slowing down. He just had an undefeated season. You know, nobody had... And, you, and you know, all of these coaches getting second chances and then go out and, you know, you see St- Steve Sarkeesian was fired at USC, had had his problem, you know, personal issues and then goes to Atlanta is not successful there and does fantastic and gets another coaching job at a high a high in school. Yeah. <laughs> um, you see, you know, Bill O'Brien's going to come in and be the offensive coordinator. And I guarantee you, he's going to have a head coaching job in the next year or two mm-hmm. if, if he wants it. And you know, it, even guys who go to smaller places, Lane Kiffin, Butch Jones is going to Arkansas State. Lane Kiffin's now at he went to what Florida Atlantic, and now he's at right. F- and, and at you know the Miss. point of that is like, he, yeah, he's giving guys second chances there too. But he his coaching staff leaves every single year. I mean, it's it's almost like he gets a new coaching staff every single year, and continues yeah. to win the national championship. And that was twelve years and exactly. seven of wait, is that right? Six he's won. Six with Alabama, one with LSU. Right. Okay. But and that was the other thing I was saying, like when how he changes with the times. Think about the types of coaches he used to have. Back back in those two thousand in those two thousand nine to early two thousands, I mean um late twenty tens championships, early twenty teens championships, he would have never gotten someone like Lane Kiffin. He does too much high flying offense and passing and this and that and and that guy's running this way with misdirection and blah blah blah. He would have had a coordinator who 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 would listen to exactly what he says when he says run the ball, we're running the ball. Now he gets coordinators who who aren't who are gonna fight him back on some things because Saban knows that he wants to still be the defense and run the ball team. He has said it in multiple times in press conferences that it kills him that this is how it, the um, college is now. But he knows that he, if he wants to win. This is what he has to do. And, and that's, 
and that's just I'm gonna I'm gonna stop praising Saban. I wanna I wanna do some reviews on the game. Um, Christian Barmore. I have to shout out Christian Barmore. He played his best game at 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 the top time, and it was and it's so ironic because I had just seen a mock draft that had him as a first round pick, like maybe a week before the game, and I was like, what in the world are they looking at? Like I can't like. Christian Barmore in the first round like like I haven't seen I haven't watched a ton of other draft prospects and D linemen but he just wasn't good enough to me off what I've seen in past first rounders that I've known so and then to come out in this game and show out I was like dang maybe in a class with lesser D linemen he could be a a top a top D lineman and then and then I want to I want to praise the resiliency or persistence of Jalen Waddle for him to go out there and and run the plays he did on the foot that you see that he's hobbling around on and stuff I wish I honestly wish he hadn't played that game I know it's hard to keep someone with a competitive spirit off the off the field like that and and honestly I think it helped you saw Devontae Smith went down with his finger broken or whatever had happened and Jalen Waddle came in and made some catches to keep us pushing down the field on that drive. So there's just a lot of people that I want to give praise to. I think Mac Jones is, has pushed himself into a first-round talent after starting off this season, not even knowing if he was going to be the starter with Bryce Young there. Um, and 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 I will say this about Justin Fields: what we've I want people to take his collective Ohio State career when they grade his draft. Do not take the last three games. The last three games are up and down. This The national championship, he played about average. Clemson, he played yep. amazing. In Northwestern, he played terrible. You can't... Yep. It, people are... And we talked about this. You cannot be a prisoner of the moment so much that you don't see fact and truth. Justin Fields does have some accuracy issues and he does have some issues of reading defenses, but he also can put up huge numbers when you put him in the right system and, and, and give him plays that he can learn off of and everything like that. He is a, a quarterback who's going to need time in the NFL to, to learn and stuff like that. So I, I don't want people to get too high or too low on him, but we, what you say, what you see is what you get is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I agree. You know, we talked about that before, about how, you know, after the Big Ten Championship, everybody had him dropping in the in the draft boards, you know, with mm-hmm. Zach Wilson going ahead of them. And, um, you know, I want to say Mac, I want to say he fell to like the mid first round. I saw them putting some some dude from uh, North Dakota State, the Ray same Lance. school that Carson went to. Yeah, I saw um, them putting him above. And him. I was like, what? You know, and then he comes back and lights up, just lights up the scoreboard and throws dot here and dot here. And all of a sudden he's back to number two overall to the Jets. And first of all, I don't think the Jets would be a good fit. I I don't think the Jets want him, honestly. We'll see as time comes, but. I think like you said with him, he needs to go to a place. I Call me crazy. I think Atlanta could be a good place if they choose not to trade Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan can teach him and and help him. And, you know, what I'm disappointed in a little bit with Justin is that the first is that I kind of see 
I don't see the huge improvement from Justin right now that I saw that I was hoping to see from the time he was at Georgia. You know what I mean? Like, I I saw him throw dots at Georgia. I saw him, you know, show off his athleticism, but I also saw the same make one read, and if it's not there, take off and run. Yeah. And I feel like I kind of see that this year, and I don't see, I don't really see that ability right now to, um, you know, make his progressions and 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 do, and do everything. You know, he has all of the attributes. He, you know, I, 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 I think he has, if not the best arm, a very close second. And I agree. He 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 gave the same kind of arc of Jake Fromm, but in a shorter span. He came on when when teams didn't have a lot of film on him. He and and this is not. I'm not comparing him to Jake Fromm in this. Yeah, I'm not comparing him to Jake Fromm in this sense. But like it, when teams didn't have a lot of film on Justin. When he first came to Ohio State, he was booming. He was booming off numbers. He was throwing this, doing that, blah blah blah. Th- these teams, they weren't they weren't ready for him. So I, I think this season, teams game planned and schemed better for him. First of all, and second of all, this is where I compared him to Jake Fromm. He got worse. He regressed. Jake Fromm's first season, remember, they, they went to the championship. He looked great. Sophomore year, Jake Fromm was better than freshman year, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm did not lead Georgia to a national championship. Ups on the shell. The defense led Georgia. Jake yeah. Fromm threw. Seven my, 12 times a game. You get my point. In, the, yes, in his sophomore season, he was he was amazing. And same with Justin. His sophomore season, he looked really good. And and you were thinking, dang, this guy can be a top pick um first round for sure. And and maybe a top pick. Then he comes back out the second season, his third, his junior season, and you're like, eh, this guy looks worse. I'm not sure if it's because these defenses have gotten something on him and, and learn how to know how to play against him, or he just is now settling in and showing truly who he is fully. We've seen the good and we've seen the bad. And that's why I said you have to you have to take what you get. What you see is what you get. You want to take somewhere in the middle. I'm not going to fully judge him off his sophomore season. I'm not going to fully judge him off this season. I'm going to say, well, we've seen he has problems here, and we've seen he can do this good. Yeah. And back to the game. Ohio State, they they have got to get back on defense. Their defense, yeah. they 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 played their best game, and I told my father this, and and we talked about this. Their best game was that Clemson game. Yep, it truly was. The rest of their season did not look like that, and this is what I said. That game was an outlier. That game was an outlier in terms of how Justin played. That game was an outlier. I'm talking about Ohio State Clemson playoff game. It was an outlier in terms of how that defense played. It was an outlier in a lot of areas. It, it like the rest of their season just simply did not look like that. And that's why I, it was so easy for me to contribute so much of it to emotion and just wanting to beat Clemson due to revenge so that I, I could see through it. And that's why I kept saying, I still think Ohio state is a better matchup for Alabama. It just looks like based off the rest of the season, it looks like an easier team to beat. It truly does. And, yeah. and on defense, I think they're going to have to do some, uh, 
some searching and, and recruiting because they're they're missing that star D lineman that they usually have. They're missing that star DB that they usually have. They're missing a, a leader on the defense because, in my opinion, it doesn't really look like they have a true guy that just rallies rallies together and gets them together. And and they're going to be they're they're like Alabama. They're going to they're they they're losing a lot this season. They lost a lot a lot last year, and now they're losing a lot again. And I haven't seen a ton to make me believe that they're getting it back. But due to the fact they're Ohio State, I have to believe that they will be getting it back. I think they will be getting it back mostly because I don't know what the Big Ten will be getting back. They were obviously the best thing in the Big Ten. The Big Ten had a real – I don't – and part of this is with how the handling of the Big Ten football season was and how everybody didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're playing and – your first game is October 24th when everybody else is in mid-season form. So I won't necessarily dock the Big Ten for that, for having a down year this year, but it didn't have a much better year last year when you know Wisconsin and Northwestern have been your Big Ten champion uh, matchups for the past three years. And Northwestern two years ago was at 6-6 six and six when they went to the Big Ten championship you know, it, it's not, it's, you're kind of a shoe in. And this year, I don't think that, you know, it was one of the best, was Ohio State one of the best teams? You know, yes, they were because they beat one of the best teams. But were, do I think that they can be next year? I don't know because I need to see what the rest of the Big Ten was or is. I need to know if, you know, who I, who's going to be, who's going to be competing with them. Is it going to be, is Michigan going to have any chance? Probably not, but you, you know, I just don't, I just don't see it right now and they lose a lot and I need to see them get a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, they will be back due to the fact that their name is Ohio State in the Big Ten. I don't see many people competing with them. And that's a deeper story of let's let's get back to this. But, let's get back to Alabama. One yeah. let me ask you this. Everybody's saying that this is the best big or the best team of all time in college football. Let me ask you this. I said last year, last year's LSU team was probably the best of all time at least in our lives let me see, let me ask you who is better 2019 LSU or 2020 Bama I'm I'm gonna say 2019 LSU because of eye test you know what I mean the way they were doing it looked better you know what i'm saying it, it was just it was more flashy it was more like wow oh my god like they're doing this and they're doing that and doing this even though i will say this if you look at the numbers alabama's offensive i think their points were like barely under De- yeah exactly barely under Devonte smith just had a better season than what jamar chase had last year mac yeah. jones i think his numbers were barely under um burrows and I and and I contribute that partly to the fact that we actually had a run game. Right. Yeah. LSU didn't really have a run game last year. They had 
a few here and there with Clyde Edwards Alaire, but Clyde Edwards Alaire was mostly catching passes out the backfield, which helps Joe Burrow once again. So yeah. it, it, I, I give it to them because it looked better. But if you look at the numbers, it is so, so, so close. And the, the other reason I give it to them is because if you look at their scores, they were beating yes. people more handedly because their defense was doing more than what Alabama's was doing. Right. And that, that's where I say the LSU is, especially down the stretch. You know, Alabama let Florida back into the game. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, it was, what, a 52-46? Was that the final score? Yeah. Um, it, Notre Dame was a 14-point game. And yeah, that and I'm not I'm not even talking I'm talking about Alabama's defense specifically and allowing 48 points to Ole Miss and was down for a little bit for half against Georgia and you know it, it the it, only team that LSU let put up points like them that LSU team with Joe Burrow was Alabama it right really was they, right. their scores were and that's what I was trying to say with like even and, Alabama's game against Notre and, Dame. Exactly. Alabama's game against Notre Dame was only was only 14 points apart. LSU's game against um, Oklahoma in that championship was right. not close. It was not and close. They were my, just beating teams by more. And the amount of ranked teams that they dominated. And, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia was probably the best defense last year that they had faced. It was a top three defense. What do they do? They go out and win 38 to 10. And let's all be honest, that game could have been. 55 to 10 and you know you come out and the defense for them really clamped down the final few games too with the Oklahoma game and it's 49 to 14 at halftime and you know I don't remember the final score off the top of my head and then really they dominated Clemson in the national championship winning by 17 so I mean you just have to take that into account and I, I give I agree with you. I give them the slight advantage mm-hmm. uh, over this year's Alabama team, but that takes nothing away from this year's Alabama team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was prop two years in a row that quarterbacks came out of nowhere and asserted themselves into yeah. Eisman contending um, status. Excited to see who it is next season. Do you want to give any way too early predictions for your Georgia team? Because you gave me one earlier that kind of. We will do like it in later shows. Different one. I'm, I'm not ready to do it right now. I <laughs> I told you it. I sent out a tweet if you follow us on Twitter, but um, I we don't have enough time right now. But I we will be doing that at some point. Mm-hmm. To the NFL playoffs we go. This was probably the most fun weekend of NFL that yeah. I've seen. I I was pretty much spot on, except I overthought my Steelers pick. And I'm, I always this, have to remember my pick. I'm going to start writing them down because I know I was right. I was wrong about the Seahawks one, and I was wrong about the Titans one. I think right. those were the two that those I Those were your two. Yeah. And for me, it was... The team that I have been choosing against all year long and the team that I was ultimately right about before anybody else was. Very proud of myself. Um, the Browns? The Steelers. No. Oh, oh, I oh, said yeah. I said the Steelers are the third best team in the AFC North. And they, they showed it. They like it. They showed, <laughs> they showed it with four turnovers in the first quarter. They yeah. showed it with the first snap of the game 
overshooting Ben Roethlisberger, who has no athleticism whatsoever. He is, and it's sad to see Ben go out like this because we. I remember the days when he used to shrug guys off and just chuck it eighty yards to AB or Martavis Bryant like it was nothing. Yep. And now he can't even throw it like thirty yards without throwing a pick. It's sad, but I think Steelers will be in the market for a quarterback. And 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 I and I want to give props. I want to give props to the Browns. And I want to. I also want to. Can I want to? Um. Not. I want to give a a, a verbal lashing at the Steelers. How. And, and and Mike Tomlin too. And I love Mike Tomlin as a coach because he is he's never not had his team in the playoffs and he does great and 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 he's done great since he's been there. But for you to not somehow find a way to shut down your players from social media or punish them for saying the things that they are saying on social media that hype these other teams up every time. Juju does not stop. I swear Juju does not stop. And I don't know what it is in his head. He comes out dancing on, on logos and, and making fun of other players and blah, blah, blah. And then right before this game, well, the Browns are still the Browns. Why? Just stop yeah. talking. Yeah. Stop talking. And then, and then even game after the game, life. after the game, once the game is over, uh, Chase Claypool on live. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. They're going to go get clapped against the, against the um, Chiefs next week. And I'm like, if that was your mentality, then what did you think was going to happen to you if you won that game next week? Like, yeah. what? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like, I don't, I don't know what, how, how they just, just keep talking and talking when they're getting beat, especially in the last half of the season. Like, you got, they, I think they lost, they were like one for four in the back half of the season. Like, you can't, you can't keep talking after that, man. You cannot, it does not make sense. But shout out to the Browns. The Browns have won their first playoff game in what twenty something years, yeah. and and they're going on to play the Chiefs, which is a tall task. I think they will give them a a decent game. We'll talk about this more in a preview show tomorrow. But I can't disagree with what Chase Claypool said. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> and um, I, I I think that you know what you. With Juju, how can you make that mistake every single time? You you made the mistake against Buffalo, they dominated you. You made the mistake against Cincinnati, they beat you. And I'd just like to point out, Juju has not had a 100-yard receiving game since AB left. And with Mike Tomlin, it goes back to, however, was it two or three years ago when... Some was AB was on live Facebook or Instagram, you know, in the post game. And it's this year with Juju with this TikTok and Chase Claypool on, on his live. You know, it just, I don't know what the Steelers are trying to be. I don't, are they trying to be this? modern day Oakland Raiders team, but in the sense of we're just gonna picket teams until they just they're so mad that we're in their head. That kind of thing. You know, is is that what you want to be? And if so, you're doing a pretty bad job at it. 
But you have anything else for that game? Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland Steelers? No. Which game are you about to move on to? Because I was going to say... My Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Your Bucs? First okay. ever playoff game. You know, after the game, I told... Did I tell you this before the game? Because I told somebody before the game, I get major... I'm getting major Giants game vibes Monday night football for the Bucks, And I said that because... Yes, it's an NFC East team. It, it all just matched up. It was an NFC East team wearing their red jerseys, primetime game, night game, at their place in an empty stadium. They're rolling on offense the first drive, and then they sputter, settle for a field goal. And that's the only issue. That's The offense, I thought, was fantastic, except for Chris Godwin, who had five drops. And Chris Gawa going into that game had six career drops and had five. I don't know if it was the playoff jitters in him, but, you know, I'm not too worried about it with him. I I still think that, you know, even if Marshawn Lattimore on Sunday and there's who is Mike Evans kryptonite, even if he dominates Mike Evans, even if, you know, Janoris Jenkins is on A.B., I still think Chris Godwin is going to have a big game. And my problem is with the defense. And how do you let Taylor Heineke or Tanner Heineke? Dude, he is Taylor, I think. I, I'm not going to dog him. I mean, yeah. He deserves all the credit. He was throwing some. I, I was say, I'm not going to take anything away from him. That touchdown, that touchdown in the corner, was that the Cam Sims or whoever that was? Yeah, can't that say. was a dot, and you cannot, whether you think that was a catch or not, it was a catch, I think. But whether it was or not, that was so beautifully placed. And if Alex Smith was the quarterback in that game, it is a blowout. I really believe that because Taylor Heineke was moving all over the field. And, you know, my problem is, Todd Bowles needs to draw up some blitzes in order for them to create pressure because the two guys and Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, who they are paying a combined $26 million to, could not, the Bucks for the life of them, could not apply pressure with a four-man rush. And that was, that was just so frustrating to watch. And yes, they didn't have Devin White, who is the speed linebacker, would have made that tackle on the run, on the run that Taylor Heineke had for the touchdown. Devin White would have made that tackle. He would have chased it down over Kevin Minter. I, I believe that kept Devin White is much faster. He's a better tackler. And, but, go ahead. Oh, no, you can keep going. I was just going to give my, my overall takeaway because I don't have as many little things as you because I know you pay attention to that more. I think that Tom Brady looked fantastic. I was I was really pleasantly surprised with how the Bucks handled offensively with the with the top three um, with the top five I guess secondary and the defensive line that the football team has. And Donovan Smith played his best game. Rob Gronkowski was fantastic in blocking Chase Young, 
who, by the way, <laughs> Chase Young had, I think, three tackles, zero sacks, and was barely in the backfield. And yeah, Chase Young had a very, I mean, I mean, not Chase Young. Uh, I forget. Donald I was going to say the O line. Yeah, the O line in general had a very good game to me. That was that was one thing that was that was one going to be my one of my overall points is that the O line showed out that game because that was a game that. If if they had gotten to Tom Brady, I think the Bucks could have been in trouble because you know Tom Brady's not a guy who can who can be on the move at his age and everything like that. So yeah. if they had if they had gotten a pass rush on him with the good pass rushers that they have in the D line with their down four, they, it would have been a long game and they and they stopped that pretty well. And the other takeaway I had is that there is no takeaways. I, there's nothing. I don't think any higher of the Bucks and I don't think any lower of Washington in this game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. You, what? How do you feel about the Bucks? Let me ask you that. I still feel as if the Bucks are a team that can possibly get it done in terms of winning a Super Bowl, but they have to be playing. They have to have really good nights on those nights. They're not just beating a team because they're just better than the other team. I think they'd be beating a team because they've made they made the right plays versus them not. Versus the other team not getting it done, you know what I'm saying? If 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 they go up against a team like the Rams, I could see the Rams defense getting, especially to Tom Brady, especially if they have Aaron 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 Donald. But their 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 next game is the Saints. When they go against the Saints, I'm I'm kind of worried for them. The Saints in my opinion, out of all NFC teams, are the best overall team. They've yeah. got a good offense. They've got, a, they've got a, a defense that has gotten better throughout the season that didn't start so well, that got better as the season went on and became very, very good, especially in the back half of the season. And, and, they, and they, they beat Tampa Bay twice. Um, first time, a blowout. Second time, I can't remember. It was a little bit closer, if I remember right. Uh, it, was, it was kind of close. But Saints dominated the game week one, and then the Saints won thirty-eight to three. The Bucks called a timeout with five minutes left to kick a field goal to lose thirty-eight to three. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was even worse. Yeah. Okay. So I was wrong. They got. They got. They kept it close the first time, and they got blew out the second time. First thing I'll say is it's very, very hard to beat a team not only twice in one season, but to beat them three times in one season. But if they do have, if the Saints do have them figured out, which is what it looks like, they have the Bucks figured out whatever scheme that they're running, it could be a very long night for Tom Brady. And I'm not going to give my prediction because that's for the preview show, but I can, if they get past this Saints team, I'm going to feel very, very good about the Bucks. Like, uh, right now, I feel about the same. I don't feel any different. I I don't I don't really feel any different either. I think that if the Bucks are going to win, if the Bucks are going to go any further, they have to get a rush with the front four. Shaq Barrett has to play better. Jason Pierre-Paul has to play better. Ndamukong Sue has to play better. And if if they play the exact same way that they did on Sunday, then they won't. Or they did last Saturday, then they won't win. They won't go any further. My my other takeaway is from the wild card weekend. I don't think that there is much Saints. We expected them to do that. Honestly, I, I there's nothing to talk about with the LA game beating Seattle. What did you think of Lamar? 
What? Uh, let me. You want me to? Re- I can. I wish I could. If I can scroll back far enough to find the exact text I sent you, remember what I said is that Lamar. This is when Tennessee was up. Lamar is is he's as a quarterback in in today's game. He's he's good. He's very. He's above average, of course. He's got his team into the playoffs three years in a row. He just won his first playoff game, and he's good. But as a passer, he's not very good. <laughs> he's not. He can, he's not that very. Interception was horrible. You no, know, exactly. And he. It's just. It, he doesn't make a lot of great choices. He makes. He makes. He makes great choices every once in a while, but he's not consistently making great choices on his reads. He's not extremely accurate as a Drew Brees. He can't break down. He can't just look at a defense and understand what's going on and and break it down and know that this guy's doing this and this guy's doing that. Yes, on a few plays, yes, he might be like, oh yeah, this guy's doing this and break it down of, of what's going on. But there, on on consistent basis of every play, he's not doing that. And one, I would like to see him with better receivers. I would. I would like to see him with better receivers to see if maybe if it improves. He has an old Des Bryant, and he has a Marquise Brown who's hurt every other game and is really only a deep ball threat. He's not a great route runner. He's got hands that are okay. He's really just, if we're giving him name to him, uh, Ted Ginn. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, honestly, he's just a deep ball threat. He's not he's not something amazing. And then he's got decent. He's got pretty good tight ends. I'll give him that. He's got pretty good tight ends that 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 give him good production in the red zone. I think he needs a better receiver before I fully just say that he is not a, a great passer quarterback before I put him on the uh, the Cam Newton track. But Lamar, you've got to pass the ball. You've got to learn how to pass. This team was second in rushing offense and dead last in passing offense. Think about how many teams are in the NFL and how many teams have terrible quarterbacks, terrible quarterbacks who are searching for who's going to be even their starting guy, rotating quarterbacks week to week, and they have the last passing attack? That's not you can't that's that's not going to work. That just doesn't work, man. It, it, once you I don't I can't remember. I don't know who they play next week. But once you get down and you're playing Buffalo. these <laughs> you play these better teams, you you can't do that. Buffalo is going to throw it all over the yard and you, if you can't keep up with them pass for pass and score as fast as they do because we all know running does not score as fast because you've got the clock still going, it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And and Good luck to them next week. This game, it, it's what I said. I said going into it, the Ravens are, he- are going trending up and the Titans are trending down. The Titans did not have a good month defensively. Um, had to fight to win that game against Houston in Week 17. The Ravens were getting hot. The Ravens were getting everybody back. Lamar was back. Their offense was getting hot at the right time. It wasn't necessarily an offensive game, scoring-wise, like we're used to seeing. But it it showed that there are two teams going in the opposite directions. And the Ravens, of course, trending up. They looked like the better team. And I think they were the better team on Sunday. And they were a better team overall. They had the revenge factor as well on their side. And, and I think that... 
there's nothing I can really take away from this game. I, I don't really feel any different about Baltimore. I still think that um, they are they're a solid team. They're heading in the right direction. But, you know, it, it, it was more about the defensive side and how they were able to stop Derrick Henry so well. And it, it, it proves my point as well with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, when the game was on the line, yet his receiver fell down. The interception, I won't put on him. But when the game was on the line, he is a game manager with the best running back in the NFL. And it's not going to cut it now. You know, this isn't where you can pound pound the rock with a running back and got your way to a championship. That you were confident enough can lead you on a game-winning drive. And Ryan Tannehill is a game manager. When I saw him as MVP, early MVP votes, I was shocked, and I knew that that wasn't going to last. And, and that's why I... Well, the first part, not the second part of what you said. That, that's why I chose the Titans... Because even though that Ryan Hill's a Ryan Ryan Hill Ryan Tannehill is a better, I mean, um, a game manager, he's still a better passer. And in my opinion, these teams were built very similar, minus the edge that Ryan Tannehill was a better passer. Their defenses were both going into the game. I thought their defenses were about to equal. I, I was corrected in that. The Titans' defense was not ready for the rushing attack that Lamar was giving them. Um, but going into the game, I thought they were about equal on defense. I thought they were about equal in, in, in rushing in their rushing offenses. But the difference was that Ryan Tannehill was a decent, he's a game manager, but he was still a, a decent enough game manager with, with great receipt, not great with really good receivers in AJ Brown and Corey Davis and Lamar Jackson is I wouldn't even say really a game manager. He's more of like a, an explosive play artist with with not so great people on the outside of receivers. So it, it was kind of weird for me to see how this game shook out. I think it, it, it what it came down to was Titans defense could not stop Lamar's feet. They could not at all. He exploded for a 43-yard touchdown. He He had multiple other runs that they just looked like they were lost on the field. Yeah, and you know it. It was a very quick game. It was a game. I believe that the Titan or the Ravens really dominated um, on the on the ground, and they dominated in time of possession. And I think they. I think they were the better team. And I don't think Tennessee was very disciplined on the defensive side, and they fell for the option too much, which is weird because you know the <coughs> option. Option was was cool and it was great a couple years ago, but teams overall the first half of the year were able to stop Lamar at a very decent rate. And, you know, the Titans had been on the downfall, especially defensively in the second half, and especially in the month of December. And it showed it showed last Sunday, not necessarily on the scoreboard, but in, if you go back and watch that game, the stats don't necessarily show what what the Titans did last Sunday. But, guys, that's going to be the show today. We ran a little bit overboard, but 
just a lot of news that we had to uncover and that's going to do it for us today remember to find us on apple spotify youtube and follow us on twitter lgi underscore podcast that's going to do it for us for chase that is me that is justin this has been 